You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. I hope you're doing well. It's good to be back. Two services. We are making room at the table for more to come and join us as a church. Today we're going to be uh, in 2 Corinthians, which is a, a letter that was written by uh, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the earliest church leaders uh, to a church in Corinth in Greece that he had started. And we're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. The verses will come up on the screens around the room. Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. It might say in your translation, the Father of compassion. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This morning's message is called The God of All Comfort. I don't know about you, but when I was young, I would um, open up the Psalms in the Bible. This is a book in the Bible, which is a whole bunch of songs and uh, poems written to God. And I would be completely bemused as to why half of them, it seemed, were about suffering. I thought, "These, these are miserable songs. And as I've gotten older and a bit more experienced... And as I spent six years as a social worker and now about three and a half years as one of your pastors, I now am bemused as to why the other half are not about suffering. Uh, As we get older and more wiser in life, we see things, don't we, that make us question why. I've had probably over the last two weeks, four occasions where I've asked God why. Four occasions where I've called out to God and said, why are you allowing this? Four occasions where I've been angry at God, where I've been disappointed with him. It hasn't remained there. I've come to God in time and said, God, you're, you know, you're in control. I'm not. You're, you're the one who's sovereign. I'm, I'm not in the, on the throne of this universe. You're the one who knows what he's doing. I trust you. I've repented of my bitterness. But I've come to question God on some things. I've come to see that uh, there are various afflictions that, as Paul writes here, there's afflictions that we have, things that bother us. And I've come to see that God is the God of all comfort. He's the one who is able to comfort even in affliction. There's no real comfort to be found. I've, I've discovered this again. I've discovered it many, many times in my life. And we kind of go on this continual discovery, don't we? Re- being reminded that we're not God come to discover that there's no true and lasting comfort outside of the comfort that God offers. We might go to uh, a chocolate bar and 30 minutes later on that sugar low and we realize that really didn't provide the lasting comfort that we needed. We might go to a cigarette. We might go to alcohol. We might go to entertainment and uh, binge watching TV in order to try and just forget about life for a little while. But what happens is half an hour after that little hit, We're back to being as disappointed, as disillusioned, as anxious, as angry as we were before. Because those things provide a temporary comfort, don't they? They provide a 30-minute hit, a couple of hours hit, and then we realize that actually we're just as, as bad as we were before, if not worse. And I've come to be reminded over these last couple of weeks that God is the only one who provides true and lasting comfort. And it says here that he's able to provide comfort in the affliction, Sometimes we think, well, God will provide comfort by removing that affliction. 
That's the only way he could possibly comfort me in this, is if he removes this situation that's causing me suffering. You know, he's able to remove affliction. God's able to do that. But it says here that he's able to provide comfort in affliction, even in the midst of your pain and suffering, even in the midst of real difficulty, he's able to comfort you in that moment, in that affliction. He's able to comfort you. We've got to get that. We've got to understand that God, he wants us to see, even in that, that he's the one, he's the one who provides true and lasting comfort. It says all affliction here, doesn't it? That means there's no affliction too small. Of those four things that I've cried out to God for over these last couple of weeks, these four things that I've cried out to God and said, why? I'm already laughing at one of them. I'm already thinking, yeah, that really wasn't a big deal. And I I can laugh at it already. I can look back, I can recount the story, and I can laugh at it. I expect that in a couple of years, I'll be able to laugh at another one of them. Maybe even sooner than that. But some of them I may never kind of get a reasonable answer for. God is able to comfort us even in the small things and in the big things. And we see here a little bit later on in this passage that we read together, some really big afflictions that Paul was going through. He says here, we don't, verse 8, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. He doesn't want them to be unaware. Why? Because he wants them to see that he, although a Christian leader, although someone doing great things for God, someone who knows his stuff, he is experiencing affliction. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Basically saying, I I, I wished I was dead. I was going through such an affliction that it would have been better for me had I died. That's what he's saying here. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So there's big afflictions that we go through. And it's okay to call out to God and say, God, what is going on here? I don't expect that when Paul was despairing of life itself, that he was particularly polite with God. I think he was really struggling here. They despaired of life itself. He's saying, I'd I'd sooner be dead than go through this, God. And some of you might be going through that. I I can't say that I'm going through such an affliction that I'd say to God, I'd rather be with you in eternity. But some of us might be going through that. Might be thinking to ourselves, this is so hard. I don't know. I can't see the light here. I can't see the other way out. I can't see the way at the other side. God's able to comfort us even in those afflictions. Now, we're we're evangelicals here. We believe in the Word of God. We believe in the truth that's in the Bible. When we celebrate it, we love it. We love that we've been saved. We we were once enemies of God. We were once uh, destined to be uh, recipients of God's wrath. And now, because of Jesus, we've been saved from that completely. We've been rescued. We've been forgiven. our, Our shame has been removed. We've been adopted. We're in God's family. All these amazing truths, we celebrate them. And we might think, well, our lives should just, you know, if we just overemphasize those truths, then our lives should really be full of joy and we should never really experience any pain and suffering. Sometimes we can overemphasize those things at the expense of seeing the truth here that there is affliction to be had. Even as Christians, there's affliction. Even as Christians, there's trials to undergo. And the danger, uh, the opposite uh, way of thinking that life should all be miserable and we should just cling on until Jesus comes back and we get to be in heaven. Well, that, that's, there's a, 
opposite danger there as well, that we might think, well, there's no joy to be had now. and There's no uh, wonderful victory in life to experience now. But we, we must see the balance here. Sometimes we, we can see these um, shiny teeth uh, preachers who will just simply say, you know, God really wants you to, to have your best life now. And, uh, you know, if you only have enough faith, then you won't undergo, you won't go through any sufferings and difficulty. I, I expect there's many, many people with a lot of faith in the United States right now who are going through a lot of difficulty. You know, it doesn't take a lot of experiencing life to realize that is a false message. <laughs> that if you only have enough faith, if you only uh, put God first with your money, then you won't go through any suffering. You'll just, when you're 95, you'll just drift off to heaven in a beautiful sleep. It's rubbish. It's completely rubbish. We've got to see that sometimes the Christian life is actually very hard. Sometimes it's really, really difficult. Why doesn't God protect his children from suffering? Why doesn't he, why does he allow for his children to go through affliction? You might be a parent here. You might be thinking, one of the things that is one of my main aims in life is to stop my children going through difficulty. I want their lives to be easy. I'm not sure if that is always uh, the best plan for your child, to, for them to have an easy life. But we might think, well, if God's a father and a good father, why would he allow his children to endure suffering? Well, we see a couple of answers in this text that we've read together. Firstly, that we would rely on God and not on our own strength. That's what Paul says, isn't it? We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. That's such a key thing we need to take away this morning, that God would want us to get to a place where we're relying on him. There's been a few times recently when I haven't had words to say to God other than, God, I I trust you. I don't know what's going on, but I trust you and I really need you. I was reading some quotes this week of some great Christian leaders and some of their tips for uh, their prayer times, the tips of the kind of secret place prayer that these great leaders had. And one guy said this, most mornings my prayer simply begins like this, Lord, I'm tired and I'm grumpy, but I'm here again. (laughs) Can anyone relate to that? I'm tired and I'm grumpy, but I'm here again. And uh, as we go through difficulty sometimes, that's what God wants from us. To get before him, be honest with him and say, God, I'm tired and I'm grumpy, but I'm here again. Because I know you to be the God of all comfort. I know that you're the one who's the answer ultimately. It's not a Mars bar. It's not a tub of Ben and Jerry's. It's not a cigarette. It's not uh, alcohol. You're the answer. You're the answer here. God gets glory when we learn to lean on him for all that we're doing. That's one reason why he allows us to undergo trials and affliction. J.I. Packer uh, writes this, As the Christian grows stronger and is able to bear more, God exercises him in a tougher school to build character, strengthen faith, and to prepare him to help others. There is nothing unnatural, and to understand this bit, there's nothing unnatural in an increase of temptations, conflicts, and pressures as the Christian goes on with God. Indeed, Something would be wrong if it did not happen. We mustn't be thrown by it all. We mustn't be thrown by pressures and conflict and temptation as we resolve to live for God. Just yesterday, uh, I, was, I was praying in the car. I was going to pick my children up from a birthday party. And no word of a lie, a van 
comes uh, in, onto the road uh, in front of me, and on the back of the van is a huge picture of a woman in a bikini, okay? And uh, so here's me trying to drive and, and not look ahead, to try and avert my eyes, but want to keep an eye. We will be faced with temptations. It was such an obvious temptation. It was such an obvious one. You know, Christians, as we seek to grow in God, as we seek to walk for, you know, forward in Him, to put Him first, we will be faced with temptation. We'll be faced with challenge and pressure. And it will be difficult at times. God wants us to rely on him, to lean on him, so that we will give him the glory. The second reason we see in this passage is that we might comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received. That's what Paul writes, isn't it? That we would receive comfort from God, and then we would comfort others with that very same comfort. Not kind of a a worldly comfort that says, yeah, I'll be thinking of you. Yeah, that's really tough. No, but the comfort that God has given us, the comfort that he has given us, which is, I know a God who's able to not only remove that affliction, but he's able to comfort you in that affliction. I know him. I've experienced it for myself. And one of the things that God has been doing in me in these weeks where it really has been a challenge is he's making me more compassionate. He's making me more compassionate. How easily do we become callous and proud? How easily as Christians do we look at others with pride in our hearts, thinking, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I don't live like they do. I'm glad I don't speak like they do. How easily does that happen? You know, the gospel, this good news that we celebrate, it should make us the most humble people on the planet. It should make us the most compassionate people on the planet. Because when we, you know, when you go through dark times, (laughs) you can think some pretty dark things, can't you? You can think some things like I did, got angry with God. You need to know that as one of your pastors here. I'm, I'm not perfect. I got angry with God, questioning him, doubting him, thinking some dark things. And it's then you, you realize that actually you're no better than anyone else. You're no better than anyone else. You've just been saved. You've just been rescued by Jesus. You've had your sins taken away. You've had this barrier removed between you and God. You've been adopted into his family. It's when you're going through tough times that not only do you realize actually the dark things in your own heart, because when you get pressured, so often you get squeezed and some dark things come out, right? (laughs) Thoughts or actions or words. I I really, I blew up the other week with my kids. I was not, I was, I was angry because they were really winding me up. And I realized that day, I'm no better than anyone else in the world. I shouted at them. There's nothing wrong with raising your voice to discipline your children. But I, I, I stepped over a line there that I wasn't happy with. And I realized that I'm no better than anyone else. And it's when you realize that, that you have compassion for people. And it's when you're going through suffering as well, you, you understand something of the suffering of others. And you have some compassion in your heart. Last week, Tommy was preaching here so brilliantly. He talked about the, the pain that you experience within. That's, that's what compassion is. When you see someone's situation and you... You just feel some pain within. I feel something for them. God wants to make us compassionate when we go through difficulty. You know, there's probably, within a few miles radius of this building, there's probably about 200,000 people just within a few miles of here. And the vast, vast majority of them have no knowledge of Jesus. No knowledge of this God that we call Father. 
no knowledge of this salvation, no knowledge of this hope that we have. And many, many, many of them are hurting. Many of them are going through really unbearable pain, just like some of us might be. And yet they've got no hope. They've got nothing to cling on to. Just going after the things that the world goes after in search of comfort, and those things don't provide comfort. And yet we know a God, don't we? We know a God who is able to provide comfort in affliction. We have the answer. We have the answer to the world's searching. We have it. That sounds, maybe you're here this morning, you might think that's a pretty arrogant thing for someone to say. I believe that with all my heart. We have the, we have the answer to the world's searching. And that is God himself. He came to be incarnate. He came to be in flesh with us. He came to experience life like we experience it. He experienced pain and suffering. And then he gave up his life on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know God for all eternity. We know the answer to the world's suffering. We know it. Maybe there might be people here this morning thinking, I, I can't believe in a God because of all the suffering I see around. I cannot, I cannot accept that there is a God. Well, where did you get the idea from in the first place that this world was supposed to be perfect? If you're surprised by suffering like it's some kind of unwelcome guest at a party, why are you surprised when, it's, when everyone goes through suffering? Why are you surprised? The author C.S. Lewis, who uh, famous for writing the, the, the Narnia stories, the Narnia Chronicles. He had that very same problem with God. He said, I, don't, I can't believe there's a God because of all the suffering I see. The injustice in the world is too great for there to be a God. And then he, he came to reflect on this after he'd become a Christian. He said this, how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing with this universe when I called it unjust? Do you understand that? It's only because, friends, we were meant to live in a perfect universe where there was no injustice and no suffering. It's only because of that that we're surprised at injustice and suffering. It's only because we were destined to live in a straight line universe that we can say, this universe is not as it should be. Does that make sense? Friends, let me tell you, this morning, you were supposed to live in a perfect universe. You were supposed to know perfect relationship with God. And until you have that relationship with God, you, your life will be empty. It really will. It might feel full at the moment, but when you really dig deeper, you'll see that it's, it's, it's meaningless without God. It's meaningless without Him. God is going to put all of this right. He's going to make all things new. And in the meantime... As Christians, it's our commission to bring compassion to the world. It's our role to bring compassion to those who are hurting. And I want to just, um, this morning, just present to you a very simple mission that we're going to be taking part in as a church uh, in the coming months. About 30 churches in Ipswich are taking part in this with us. And uh, in West Suffolk as well, another 30, 40 or so churches are uh, taking part in this. It's called Who Cares? And we're going to watch a quick video about it now. Who Cares is all about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. The beauty of Who Cares is that you can run it like a thread through what you already do 
instead of doing lots of new things. There are two basic phases of a mission, listening and responding. The idea is that lots of local churches can do this together at the same time, showing people that not only we care, but that Jesus cares. Listening. The mission starts with doing something really simple, listening. We ask people what hurts the most, motivated by compassion so that we can bring the hope of the gospel in a way that connects with people's lives. We do this using a simple card which people can complete anonymously and they are left with an information card. It's really simple and you can survey your church, your friends and your colleagues. You can go to local organisations and businesses and ask them to take part. It works door to door, it works on the street or at an event. We have found that local people love that the church is taking the time to listen. Responding. The church then analyses the results and responds with the gospel and compassion. The genius of Who Cares is that you don't have to run new events, you just let it shape what you already do. So you take any aspect of your church and think of a way that you can respond to the Who Cares results with the gospel. So you could run a sermon series on the top results. You could do a series with your midweek groups. You can do it through your school's work or your youth work. You can shape your regular church events around it. You can respond to the top subject to your Alpha course or Christianity Explored course launch. We've also produced a book that you can give away. The opportunities are endless. What makes Who Cares great and simple? Number one, you get provoked and moved by the needs of your community. Number two, you take your church on a journey that starts with a simple connection but ends with sharing the gospel. Number three, it's a fun way for churches to come together and do mission. That's a little bit about Who Cares, which we are going to be a big part of here in Ipswich. I'm really excited that we've got about 30 churches um, in this area, uh, in, this, in this town, um, signing up to do this because uh, we've got so much in common with our believers in other churches in this town. We're not um, claiming that we are uh, the only good church in this town. There's many good churches in this town. And we together are going to be asking the people of Ipswich and the surrounding areas what hurts the most. That's what we're going to be asking. We're going to be, um, through various different ways, through things that we do in the midweek, um, through TOTS and through our youth work and through other ministries we do like Oasis, we're going to be asking people to respond to this question, what hurts the most? And then we're going to be going door to door in our local neighborhood, asking people to respond to this one question survey, what hurts the most? And we're going to be going out onto the streets of Ipswich, asking what hurts the most. Uh, it can work well in workplaces. When I was a social worker, I remember very well, there's a, there's a part of an office where the donuts go, okay? And uh, we, I put on a stone in my first year of working as a social worker, uh, because people go there frequently. You could say to your colleagues, listen, we're, my church and other churches in Ipswich, we're doing a survey. It's a one-question survey. It's completely anonymous. We're asking people what hurts the most in life. And I'd love you to fill in one of these cards and put it in a box when you go and get a donut. That kind of thing. This is what we're doing. And I hope that as a church, we might um, get 500 responses. That's what I'm looking for. We may get many more than that, but I think that's a good start. 500 responses um, to this question. And and if we were to do that, and and if the churches uh, we're partnering with in Ipswich were to do that, we might see as many as 10,000 people being asked that question, what hurts the most? Because right now, <laughs> in this uh, five, ten mile radius of this building, there will probably be tens of thousands of people who are hurting, who think the church care absolutely nothing for their suffering. 
who think the church have got no interest in their suffering, who think the church is irrelevant and is, is worse than irrelevant, it's actually cold and uncaring. And in just asking this question, and as we do it, we're going to be giving people an information card which just explains what the Who Cares mission is about. And as we say, listen, we're going to be responding as a church. And we're going to be doing that early next year. So come January, we're going to collate all of the responses that we've um, uh, taken in. We're going to see, are there particular uh, themes here that people are experiencing, whether it might be uh, family breakdown, it might be illness, it might be mental health issues, it might be poverty of some sort. We're going to look and see how we as a church can respond. That's, it's pretty simple, but that's what we're going to do. Okay? And I would love it if each one of us could ask one person. I'd love it if each one of us could ask one person. Some of us may ask many more. Some of us might uh, find that we can ask 10 people in our office environment. But if we could ask one person each, that would be a start. We'd be able to show one person that not only do we care, but that God cares. That's the idea behind who cares. To show, that, show this town and to show the surrounding towns and villages that not only do we care as churches, but that God cares. That God is interested in their lives. That he cares about their suffering. That he's a father of mercy. He's a father of compassion, as we've read in the word this morning. And we're going to respond January to about Easter next year. We're going to see whether it might be a sermon series that we, we do where we can say, listen, we're going to respond to some of these questions. It might be a, a group that we put on, a life group maybe. It might be some kind of um, ministry that we put on to support people with particular difficulties. And we can show the love of God to people in practical ways. And when the opportunity arises, we can say why we're doing this. Because we can say, God has comforted us. He's comforted us in our affliction. And now we have his comfort for you. That's what we're going to do. Are you up for that, friends? There's a very simple way that I want us to respond Uh, this morning, and it's simply this. I want you to fill in this card. It's completely anonymous. You can decide whether you want to put male or female in your age bracket on this card, but simply with a pen that's in front of you, on the seat in front of you, I want you to write your answer here, to think about what is it in life that hurts the most. Write it on this card, and in a little while, we're going to come and uh, take the bread and the juice, and we're going to take communion together. We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And when you, when you go to collect your, your bread and your, your juice, why don't you just place this card on the tables that are around the room? And as you do it, say to God, I know that you know what I'm going through. I know because you on the cross experienced suffering like I've never experienced it. You knew rejection. You knew pain. You knew humiliation. You knew separation. Make it your statement as you go and get the bread and the juice and say, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the cross. It says just a couple of chapters later on in chapter 4 and verse 16, 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah. These, these, these afflictions we're going through, they're preparing us for an eternal glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. As we 
take the bread and the juice in a moment, we can remember that Jesus is preparing for us a place where it will be glorious beyond uh, our wildest dreams, that we're going to be with him in perfection and all suffering will cease. Thank you, Lord, that you are the father of all compassion. Thank you that you're the father of all mercy. Help me to be full of compassion. Help me, Lord, I want to be full of compassion. Thank you that in our affliction, you comfort us. In our affliction, you comfort us, Lord. You come to us and you tend to us like a good father. Thank you, Lord, that you know what we're going through because when you walked this earth, you knew pain and suffering. You knew affliction, Lord Jesus. You knew temptation. You knew pressure. You knew hardship. You knew separation from your friends. You knew the pain and the agony of the cross where you cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? My God, why have you forsaken me? You knew that so that we now don't have to. That we don't have to know God forsaking us now because we're his children forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cross. We love you, Lord Jesus, for the cross. Lord, I pray that many in Ipswich will come to know the Father of compassion. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.